Hello, Katawan Tokyo here to come with Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific, Mikoroi Hawkins. Coming up first... We are well into the campaign period now. There is no holds barred. We talk Fiji elections and the emerging question is not who is, but who isn't contesting. Over the last couple of years it's been pretty tough for our rugby people. I guess this is a sign that, that hopefully things are starting to get back to normal. Oceania Rugby announces two Pacific competitions ahead of the Commonwealth Games. And if it was another Pacific Island climate activist, I would have felt the exact same way because it is the issue of our generation. And we tell a nod to Pacific climate activist Brianna Fruin about her recent award and ongoing work. With one major court conviction already brought against an influential Fiji opposition MP and several more cases before the courts, the question for the upcoming Fiji elections is becoming not who is contesting, but who isn't. Election campaigning is well underway in the country, but the writs for the election have yet to be issued. Joining me is RNZ Pacific's Fiji correspondent, Lide Muvono. Welcome back on Pacific Waves. Tell us what's been happening in this pre-election space. Corey, we're well into the campaign period now. There's no holds barred. Uh, we're seeing much of what to, uh, should be expected during a campaign period where uh, people are not opposing ends of the political divide, you know, take a go at each other. Uh, but at the same time, we are seeing a lot about who the players will be. And also it's important to note who the players will not be at these elections. So uh, in the past week or so, uh, we would have heard of um, the, the conviction of uh, Nikonoe Kula, who is, of course, one of the biggest names in opposition politics in Fiji and was definitely a leader in the the, op- the main opposition party, Sodelpa. So he's now out of the running and following behind him in terms of being prosecuted for alleged uh, fraud against the parliament office are several other leading members of the opposition party, Sadelpa. And these are not just, you know, uh, people who make up the numbers. These are people who would have brought some of the really uh, important votes um, into the Sadelpa party. And the reason being that uh, one of them is the, the paramount chief of a very important province, Namosi. Namosi is well known in Fiji um, uh, for being home to important mining exploration projects. Uh, it is a mountainous um, uh, province and also home to a lot of fertile land. And so he is a very important figure. He has been in Fijian politics for decades. So if um, Nikonoe Kula, who is an accomplished Fijian lawyer, if his conviction is anything to go by, we can pretty much expect a lot of the Sadelpa MPs to go the same way. So that will make a huge difference in Sadelpa's push um, to be in government uh, after our 2022 elections. So we know these are the people who may not be in. So that means a lot of the faces coming into the elections this year is new. The, the People's Alliance um, is coming strong as a force to be reckoned with. Uh, their, their first two uh, announcements of um, uh, provisional candidates have been quite formidable. They have had 
all of the right uh, messages. They've ticked all of the right boxes in terms of diversity, not just in age and in race, but also in terms of what these people bring to the party. So uh, something that the ruling Fiji First Party has always been able to accuse uh, Sadalpa of is, is, is having a policies that are not friendly to the other ethnic groups in Fiji. And that is not a criticism that can be leveled at the People's Alliance who are coming along very strong to be a party that uh, will look after all of the ethnic uh, uh, um, uh, groups in Fiji as well as the ages. So right now we're seeing the People's Alliance uh, actively campaign and actively fundraising. Um, as you know, this government's instituted some new electoral reforms that make it very, very hard for anyone coming into Fijian politics to gain the kind of popularity that used to be very easy to get in the previous two, three, or maybe even four elections. Uh, fundraising being one of those um, areas that's been impacted by these reforms. So it's not easy to raise funds in this country. Uh, the People's Alliance seem to be uh, checking all of those challenges off the list, having done a very successful uh, fundraising in, um, in Australia over the weekend, uh, raising quite a large sum of money. We don't know how much exactly, but um, just the optics around that particular fundraising uh, proves that they seem to be pulling a lot of what used to be uh, Sudalpa's main power base. Um, the fact that the People's Alliance are now public about their coalition or their intention to be in coalition with the National Federation Party means that they have a lot stronger ground going into these elections. The National Federation Party, of course, though they've only had three members in parliament in these last uh, elections, they are quite a favorite amongst the Fijian urbanites and the Fijian youth, who, of course, according to our last census, make up the largest voting block. So um, the NFPs or, or the Federates, as they like to uh, call themselves, uh, they come across as being a party that is for, for liberal politics, for liberal policies, and uh, for the working class middle ground of Fiji, which, uh, according to the last census, you will know is now uh, the growing power base and the growing majority of Fiji. So the People's Alliance looks to be very strong. They look to have picked up where Sodelpa has slackened off and maybe also are working very hard to gain ground that the Fiji First Party might have lost and would have lost uh, over the past two to three years in their handling of uh, very many of our national crises as well as, of course, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, and um Nakali, the end, like with Fiji first, I remember the, a few days I was there uh, ahead of the election last time. They seemed to be quite assured, sort of they're almost 100% sure that they would win. And they thought that they'd be winning by a huge margin. That didn't happen. It was really close. Have they changed their messaging this time around coming into this election? Or are they still that, you know, let's keep on going with the good work that we're doing kind of um, uh, script? No, correct. The Fiji First Party is most definitely struggling uh, to hold on to uh, what used to be their power base. Uh, the Fiji First Party attracted a lot of their votes from the Western Division of Fiji, uh, which of course is also where uh, a lot of the impact of um, the pandemic as well as crisis before that uh, uh, was, was uh, based around. So they would have lost a lot of the votes from that area. Uh, and we know this from the fact that new parties have been registered 
listed and approved to compete in these elections from that particular power base. Oceania Rugby has announced two competitions to be held in Auckland ahead of the Commonwealth Games. Australia, Fiji, New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, Tonga and an invitational Oceania side will take to the field in June for the Oceania Rugby Super 7s. Two weeks later, the annual Oceania Rugby Women's Championship will return after three years of cancellations due to the pandemic. RNZ Pacific's Lydia Lewis spoke with players in New Zealand ahead of the events. Players from across the Pacific are dusting off their boots. There have been limited opportunities. Oceania Rugby's Lemalu Wayne Schuster says Tonga and Papua New Guinea haven't played any sevens for around two years. Significant for Tonga and Papua New Guinea, of course, but it's also very important for New Zealand, Australia and, and Fiji heading into the Commonwealth Games. County's Manuko Rugby's Aaron Lawton says the Oceania Rugby Super 7s will serve as a boost for those teams preparing for the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham at the end of July. I think over the last couple of years it's been pretty tough for our rugby people. We've had COVID interruptions and I guess this is a sign that, that hopefully things are starting to get back, back to normal. The thought of Black Ferns, uh, the Black Ferns 7s, the All Black 7s, Fiji... Uh, Man, it is exciting to have that quality of rugby at Navigation Home Stadium. And then, of course, um, women's rugby at Massey Park and Navigation Home Stadium 15s. On top of the pandemic, players have faced a range of other stresses. Donga 7 squad member Rodney Tongotea says his family are still battling through the ongoing impacts of the Hungatonga Hunga Haapai volcanic eruption and tsunami. His grandparents lived on a small island in the Haapai Island Group. His family home was left submerged underwater, forcing the elders to move to the mainland. But unfortunately, what happened, just everything just went under shirt under the water. Every time I play, it's always with them, representing my family, representing the country and what has happened. It's emotional, but all I can do from here is just do my best. For the women's teams, it is a fight for equality and healing from fresh wounds. Manusina assistant coach Cynthia Ta'ala says Samoa didn't qualify for the Rugby World Cup this year because when it came to the qualifying match, they couldn't make it there because of COVID-19 restrictions and financing. It is frustrating because, you know, you work hard since 2018 or 2017 to build the team back up again. So it is back to the drawing board. Four weeks to put together a team for the next challenge. Michaela Alley hopes to be announced as one of the players hitting the field, representing Samoa's Manu Sina in the June-July comps. It's an amazing opportunity with the World Cup, unfortunately, us not being able to take part of that this year because we weren't able to get over to our matches overseas. So for us to finally get some footy in as well as being able to draw it at home is awesome. Despite there being six men's teams and six women's teams taking part at the Oceania Rugby Super 7s event, Michaela Alley says gender inequality is still noticeable in her sport. That would be awesome, I guess, for the women's team to um, allow our Pacifica nations to be contracted full-time. I'm not sure uh, if that's anything on the cards, but it would be awesome to see because we know... um, 
not only are we rugby players, but we've got players that are mothers, players that are working full-time as well, so to be able to balance, it can be a struggle at times. Cynthia Ta'ala agrees. It's not out of the question, but that's definitely a, a goal, you know, for for all of us in Oceania rugby. How um, far play. away are we from that? I don't know. That will be a question directed to World Rugby and Oceania Rugby. I mean, I would like to say very soon in next year. In the meantime, Cynthia Ta'ala has her eye on players abroad, hoping to give flight to Samoan players after a tough few years away from the world stage. The Oceania Rugby Super 7s and Oceania Rugby Women's Championship, a chance to take on the best players in the world. That was missing. An Olympic gold, black gold in Tokyo, New Zealand, Olympic champions. A Samoan climate activist continues to put the Pacific at the forefront of global climate conversations following her recent recognition as a Global Citizen Prize winner. This year's Global Citizen Prize 2022 recognised three categories to defend the planet, defeat poverty and demand equity, with a focus on climate change, empowering adolescent girls and breaking down systemic poverty barriers. The 24-year-old was one of six winners. Brianna Fruin has been leading grassroots community projects pushing for climate justice ever since she first noticed the impacts of climate change to her home island. She's back in New Zealand after travelling to New York to receive the award and spoke to Alicia Foon about what it meant to her. It means a, a great deal not just for me as an individual, but I think as someone who does climate work, who's from the island, who is a part of the younger generation of of islanders it means a lot for that the 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 community that i'm i'm from because i think it's important to acknowledge that out of everyone in the world that could have won this award a islander climate activist won it and it if it wasn't me and if it was another pacific island climate activist i would have felt the exact same way because you know it is the issue of our generation how was your time in New York? You met some delegates and pretty important people. Yeah, I had a really great time. Um, Global Citizen managed to tr- try and make our time there as valuable as possible. So they set up meetings um, with people like the Speaker of the House from the U.S. government, um, Nancy Pelosi. Um, we even got to meet um, a few of their donors and um, just a couple of, of politicians who were really keen to meet us and create a relationship with us as youth, as activists. And a lot of the conversations I had with them was just really around climate change in the island. What were some of the main climate messages you delivered? I was just reminding them of the impact that climate change has in, in the islands because um, often we think that in global conversations about climate change, islanders are thought about and represented, but we're, we're really not. Like if I wasn't there talking about small islands and the need for us to be involved in all areas and conversations around climate, no one would have thought about that and brought that forward. Um, even though in America it was AAPI month, which is Asian American Pacific Islander month, um, you still didn't see that representation. And so I was the only Pacific Islander in most spaces. There was actually only two of us 
And the other person that I met, she was Fijian, but um, she was one of the singer's managers. And so she was the only islander there. And so when I could meet people, whether it be politicians or people who are part of big foundations, um, I just want to talk about the islands. Would you consider yourself a voice for the Pacific? Yeah, you know, I don't consider myself the like the voice of the Pacific, especially in the climate change area, because there's so many of us. Um, I just happen to be the one who was given this platform at this point of time. Um, and so I think for me, my priority has always been to, to speak from the work that I've done because my, my work started off in grassroots school projects in Samoa. The Pacific Forum is coming up. What concerns or messages would you want to bring to the table as a young climate activist? You know, I have so much trust in um, the leadership of our Pacific government. I think that's what kind of sets Pacific youth activists aside from like the global North youth activists is that um, youth from the global North can confidently say that their elders have failed them. And that's true because a lot of the the older generations in these big polluting nations have failed their young people. Whereas Pacific, as Pacific Islanders, we don't emit, ad, um, emit as much emissions and our elders have always lived with thinking about the environment first. And so it's a different relationship that we have with our um, leaders. And so when I think about you know, pits and what, how our island leaders are, are preparing, I have more trust in them because I know that we're all in the same boat where we're trying to save our island. And they have always been very ambitious with calling out bigger nations and making sure that um, the Pacific is seen and felt in political spaces. And so I feel like with the, the gatherings that will come up, um, adaptation and mitigation, will be a big conversation, um, of course, as it has been for the past decade. Um, climate financing will be a big conversation and loss and damage. And then, of course, oceans will be a big conversation as, as big ocean states. Um, so I feel like there's a lot to talk about, but I know that our, our governments have had the right things to say and hopefully they can rope in um, New Zealand and Australia and, and check on their work as well, make sure they're doing everything that needs to be done. That brings us to the end of Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us free to your device from Spotify, iHeart, Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. We can be follow next time more.